Hi, I'm Malcolm Duncan. Thanks for joining me for the podcast series Risk Takers, The Life God Intends For You, based on a book by the same name that I wrote in 2013. My prayer is that God will use this podcast series to encourage you, to inspire you, to challenge you, to stretch you, but most of all, to lead you into the life that he has for you. For more information on Risk Takers or other resources, Please take a look at my website, malcolmduncan.co.uk, or you can contact me via Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Episode one of Risk Takers of Russian Bears and Freedom. I want to live well. I want to reach the end of each day and know that I have really lived. Somehow I want to grab the cup of life and drink deeply from its drafts, tasting the grandeur of every moment and the potential of every encounter. I want to live as if change is really possible, so that I can see the unique and wondrous beauty in others. I want to find the green shoots of life in my community and water them with love, feed them with faith and nurture them with hope. I want to be a character that is painted in the masterpiece called The Adventure of Life. A note played in the Master's Symphony, entitled Truly Being Alive. I want to go to bed each night knowing that I have made a difference. I don't want to paddle in the shadows of existence. I want to swim in the ocean of being alive. I want to be someone who believes in other people and sees the best in them, releases the best in them. I want to be an encourager, an enthusiast for life. I want to infect people with the virus of hope, to be part of a community that tells others that the best is yet to be. I want to be part of a church where dreams are born and destinies fulfilled. I want it to be like a maternity ward for vision. I want my life to be used like a rag to wipe away the dirt that has obscured the breathtaking beauty of God. I want people to be able to see God for who God really is. I want my life to point to someone to make a difference. For all of that to be true, I have to be willing to take risks. So I want to be a risk taker. In fact, if the truth is told, I want Christians all over the world to be risk takers. A band of people who believe that the best is yet to come. I'm always reminded of the words from George Bernard Shaw, who wrote Pygmalion, that were quoted by Robert Kennedy in South Africa. Some people look at how the world is and shout why. Others dream of how the world could be and they shout, why not? And surely the church, the bride of Christ, the men and women who belong to God's family are called to be a why not people. I don't think I'm alone with this passion across the world on continents and in every country. In most cities and towns and villages, there are girls and boys, women and men just like me. We come from different cultures, our skins are different colours, our languages are diverse, our understanding of the world is very different. We're like a dazzling tapestry of life and hope and purpose. We get up every day and we put our minds to what lies in front of us. Some of us are single, some of us are married, some of us are young, some of us are old. We look after children, we love spouses, we live lives of intentionality. We have dinner with our friends, we chat to our neighbours, we play our part in our communities. Some of us sit at desks and write letters, others plough fields and plant seeds. Some teach others and some are taught, some make things, some are politicians, some are nurses, some are in the army, some write. 
We're found in every stratum of society and in every walk of life. A few of us, and it's only a few, like me, work in churches or are public theologians. Most of us don't do those things. But wherever we are and whatever we do, our lives matter and our choices matter. Because we matter. We're ordinary people with an extraordinary power. We're part of the most dynamic family on earth. We are the church. And yet, most people outside of the church would look and say, dynamic? Not so sure. Alive? Vibrant? Risk-taking? I'm not so sure. For many people, the word church is like a pin that bursts the balloon of excitement. It's not the first thing they think of when they think of hope or risk or possibility. And you might be one of those people with, with me about being risk takers up to the point where I mentioned the church as a community of people that are risk takers. You're rising with this hope and expectation that God could possibly do something with your life. And then when I say church, you say, mm, not so dynamic, not so life-changing, not so risk-taking, more stuck, disconnected, predictable and boring. I don't blame you for thinking that. I thought of myself for many years and sometimes, honestly, I still think that we're a bit stuck. But with me, through this podcast series, think again. Because there's more to the church that you than you or I could ever have thought of or have experienced thus far. There's life in her yet. Imagine a band of people living with intentionality, doing what God wants, going where God wants, being what God wants. It could be amazing. But we've got to get over the problem with the name. We've got to get over the problem with our presuppositions and our assumptions about the church. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the release of the movie, The Omen. I certainly am. 1976, Christians on the streets complaining about it, saying it shouldn't be shown. And forever, the name Damien became associated with that dark character in the film, which is pretty unfortunate if you were called Damien before 1976. And it's pretty unfortunate if you still like the name Damien. The public understanding of the word was changed by the movie and maybe the public understanding of God is changed by the church. Maybe people around us expect the church to be boring because we've made it boring and therefore God is more distant or more predictable. What happens if we rediscover that the church is called to be a community of risk takers? People on the cutting edge of new possible interactions with society and culture. What if we have a co-relational theology that allows us to see God at work in the world and join him in the task and we give ourselves to his purposes and his plans? We have to start with the challenges of our identity, I guess. The word Christian, the word Christianity, the word church hasn't always been associated with what is right. And rather than pretending that we should be defending it and saying that it's never done anything wrong. Maybe the first thing we need to do as we think about what it means to be risk takers is take a risk of saying, do you know what? We have got it wrong. For many, Christianity and church have been associated with greed and pride and bigotry. And for most people outside the church, they think of what we stand against rather than what we stand for. All of the negative images that people conjure up when they hear words like church or Christian or Christianity, I think are wrong. 
I would go further and say that I think the general negativity and misunderstanding of church, Christianity or Christian has been coupled with a lethargy and a struggle that many of the followers of Jesus around the world have encountered in their own communities of faith. It is sometimes difficult to get a church moving. It's sometimes difficult to get a leadership team to catch a vision. It's sometimes difficult to think that change is possible. If we're not careful, we end up feeding the misinformation about the church with parodies and um, caricatures of what we're called to be. Jesus didn't come to found a religion. He came to change the world. His intentions were certainly not that those who followed him would end up living lives of boring certainty and irrelevance locked away from the challenges of society. He didn't call us to be people who lived in ghettos and locked ourselves away from our culture. He called us to follow him and in so doing to become part of a movement that would change the world. He didn't come to create a community that was enclaved, locked and hidden. He came to turn an upside down world the right way up and he came to call all who claimed to follow him to participate in that purpose. He came to call us to a life of following, a life of pursuit, a life of possibility. He wants us to step into his story, to see a bigger picture through his eyes. He wants us to say yes to him, to follow wherever that leads us. He wants us to live his way. That's why this book is about that, taking the risks that enable us to live as God intended. One of my favourite authors is C.S. Lewis. He was born and lived not very far from where I'm sitting right now recording this uh, introduction to Risk Takers. I suspect many people love the Chronicles of Narnia, the stories of adventure and risk and danger, as four young, naive people set out to change the world, not knowing that that's what they were doing. They've been the stories that millions of us have read to our children at night and we've watched their eyes open in wonder and then slowly close in exhaustion. Many of you will be familiar with the section in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe when Lucy inquires what Aslan, the great lion in the story, really is. Is, is he a man? Lucy asks. Mr Beaver replies, Aslan a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know he's the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he, is he quite safe? Safe, said Mr Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And that's the thing. Too often we associate safety with goodness, but goodness isn't the same as safety. Goodness can be experienced in risk and exhilaration and possibility and change. God isn't safe. He's good. And we can be safe in him, but that safety looks very different to being comfortable and predictable and boring. And that's the danger for many of us. John Myers O'Hara once wrote in a poem, old longings, nomadic leap, chafing at customs chain. I think despite the conditioning that many of us have experienced, our lives chafe at the chain of predictability. We want to live differently. We want to have a deeper, higher, better purpose. We want to discover more than just getting by. We want to be alive. We want our lives to count 
And then when we read verses like John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, or John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, or John 8, 36, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. We read them and our hearts leap at the possibility. We want to live differently on the edge, seeing change is possible, risking it all for Christ. That's where I come to why I've called this first episode of Russian Bears and Freedom. The story's told of an animal rights group that uh, freed a Russian bear. Let's call the Russian bear Boris. Uh, no comparisons intended, by the way. He was mistreated in a circus for many years. He was forced to perform at the end of a chain, poked with sticks and beaten badly. He'd finally surrendered to a chained life. When he wasn't forced to dance and parade in front of ogling onlookers, Boris was confined to a cage that was 12 foot square. He spent 90% of his life in the confinement. As animals do, he began to display uh, symbols and signs of anxiety and stress and tension by walking up and down in the cage, 12 foot one way and 12 foot the other. He walked up and down all day, every day. It was all he knew. Well, the animal rights group liberated Boris uh, and they went back to his native Russia to set him free. They found a perfect forest, his natural habitat. They released him into where he belonged. The cage door opened and out he ran, running into his imp impending freedom. He hesitated, looked round, and then he ran on. A few days later, the group needed to check on how he was progressing before they left Russia. They wanted to continue their quest to free others like him. And they had tagged him before his release so that they could track him. And when they found him, Boris was in a glade in a Russian forest with the sun shining down on his back and his coat shimmering in the early morning light. And he stood in resplendent beauty in the freedom that he'd been given. And then he started walking, 12 foot one way and 12 foot the other. The cage wasn't any longer around him. The cage was in his head. The cage was in his mind. The cage was in his thinking. The cage was in his conditioning. He had become so used to his normal that his normal was encaging him. If we want to become risk takers, we have to explore what our normal is. We have to allow ourselves to let the chains of old thinking break. We have to chafe against them because our hearts leap for freedom and liberty and purpose and a better, deeper and more significant life. Boris might have been physically free, but he was psychologically stuck. God sets us free. He liberates us from life. He opens the cage and lets us out. He places us in the habitat for which he made us. He gives us the freedom of walking in his ways the noble task of living according to his purposes. He enlists us in a movement that is called to change the world. He gives us what we need by equipping us with the, for the task with the power of the Holy Spirit, by giving us a vision of a cause that is worth dying for. But the tragedy is that so many of us live in the cages of our confinement. We're conditioned to live the life of a prisoner one way, then the other, 12 foot forward, 12 foot back, never changed, never transformed. What holds us in? What stops us from stepping outside? What steps stops us from being truly free? Maybe it's the fear of the unknown. Maybe it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the expectations of others. Maybe 
we have lost sight of the possibility of change. Maybe it's a wrong mindset about ourselves, about the world, about the church, about the gospel, about life. It keeps us from exploring what could be. It holds us back. I wonder if we have spent too long in our cages and even though we're now free, we need to learn what it is to be free. Maybe, controversial as it might sound, the way we've done discipleship and church and mission and worship is actually a gilded cage. There are many reasons that we choose to remain rather than to venture. My prayer is that through this podcast series, we will discover God again and that his purposes will not be reduced to the level of our disappointment and our futures will not be dictated by the mediocrities of our past. Our relationships with God, our purpose in the world, isn't about managing mediocrity or or organising ourselves around disappointment. It isn't about the unspoken acceptance of the status quo. We are called to be what Bernard Shaw described as why not people. When our yearning to make a difference becomes greater than our acceptance of the status quo, then we're ready to embark on the most exciting journey of our lives. That's the journey that God has called each of us to make. It's the offer in salvation. The powers are broken. The gospel has liberated us. Our sins are carried and forgiven at the cross. God has taken our place. There's a different way of life possible in mission and discipleship and obedience. So across this podcast series, all I want you to do is come prayerfully, come with an open heart, ready to hear what God might want to say and allow him to speak into your heart and into your life. As you listen to each podcast, take time to pray about it, to think about it, to reflect on it and to let God rise again in you. The possibility that the world could be different because you're in it. Whether you're a pastor or a teacher or a doctor or a nurse or you work in a supermarket or you're a carer, whether you're single or married, whether you have children or not, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, I think God has something for us. And I think the great possibility of living in relationship with Jesus is not only that we die and go to heaven, but that we are called to be change makers, dreamers and schemers who see the possibilities of a world transformed, not by our power, but by God's grace. And we step into it. So I invite you to pray with me. Pray that God will widen your horizons and give you a vision of what could be. Let's pray. Lord, I stand on the brink of a new horizon. I can see it, but it seems so far away. Help me to give you the aching and yearning that sits deep within my spirit. I have stayed in this cell too long. I don't want to stay here any longer. I want to be free of the wrong thinking that holds me in this confined place. I want to step out of the small world that hems me in and into the expansive open place where you want to take me. So I give you my restlessness and I give you my discontent and my yearnings and my frustrations and my disappointments. I give you the deepest desires of my will and the affection of my heart. I believe that you have a future for me that lies beyond a cage. I want to step into the wonderful possibilities of my life and of tomorrow. I want to step through 
the breathtaking empty space of the open door that lies in front of me. I want to be a risk taker. Help me to follow you and speak to me through this series and in my life. Amen.